If you watch much television, you notice that programming has this uh, pattern about it. If they can find one storyline or type that draws a good rating in the first season, they will create clones to it the next year. I mean, if there's one hospital show this year that does good ratings, you'll have three next year. Or one detective, you've now got three of them. It just goes on, don't they? Well, this year's got some new ones in it, and I'm just wondering what we might see next year because we've been on a trend for a while, the trend about uh, the supernatural. Uh, you have zombies, of course. Everybody knows zombies. They're, they're the folks who just brain, no, no brain, just body. Uh, there are also other kind of creatures like vampires and werewolves and all that mythical stuff that we like, somebody likes TV programs of. But recently there's one that has a one-word title about it that speaks to the day, and the title of it is Resurrection. I'm going to see if that catches on in another form. But it speaks about what happens when, in a fairly closed community, a few individuals begin to come back alive. I mean, they just appear. They're a new person, and uh, it's a, um, it describes both the... Uh, joy some feel the uh, drama over the whole situation and it, it talks about how do we live when the dead come to life Ezekiel uh, has a vision and he's put in a valley the start of the story leads us to believe that in that vision he walked out among the valley of dry bones that is he wasn't just looking at the distance but he got to it and began to walk around just noticing the pattern of bones laying everywhere of skeletons that were intact laying there and the bones were as it said very dry that means that they were white now uh, there was no marrow left in them it had been long enough that nature took its course and that's all that was there. It, there's a sadness in that moment. Have you ever stood in a setting like it or been there? What did it feel like? I was in Peru a few years back with a mission team, and we had one half day to do tourist things. We chose to visit one of the large Catholic cathedrals in Lima, Peru. Underneath it is a um, series of caves uh, and the burial caves, and we were allowed to go and tour a small section that opened to the public to go see and in it, what you saw was not your, as we may think, nice little crypts in which one or two bodies might be. But instead, there were stacks and piles of skulls over here, small bones here, big bones here. And it was a kind of eerie thing. I kept thinking, wow, man, that, this, is, this is Ezekiel all over again. Is someday they're going to pair those things back up the way they need to be? Because they're not keeping a very good job of it, you know that. They just piled in there on top of each other. And there was a sense in which you could wonder, could God really do anything with that? There really is a key question for it. What can happen in a setting like this? Ezekiel, being a, uh, a prophet, was like the preacher of their day. And, and when God told him, these are the people of Israel who were disobedient, what he would have felt like as he was looking at his own congregation. These were the ones that listened to him for a long period of time and didn't pay attention. You know, something about being a preacher when your own members, you know, the people you've been pastoring to, don't get it, and later on you realize that you didn't get through to that crowd, you don't feel very good about it. I think there was a heaviness in Ezekiel. Looking out in that crowd and wondering, you know, could I have done things differently? Uh, God, could this have ended better than it has now? 
But what brings him to that moment is not just the valley of dry bones, those who died, but really it's his heart and what's going on with him in the present. Sort of like us. We come with a background of experiences in our faith in which God has worked with us. We can remember them. They can bring strength to us and remind us of the why we're here. But, but the present moment is often the most powerful one. What's in it today, Lord? How can you help me in what's happening right now around me? And that's some of what Ezekiel need to know. For what happened to them is after they were defeated, the Israel nation of Israel was overrun, and he and many others were exiled. He is now over uh, near what we would call Mesopotamia, Iran, and he is there not because he wants to be, but he can't leave. And he has this vision. He sees around him others of his own people brought to this place, allowed to live. I'm not quite sure the servant lifestyle or freedom in it, but they could not return home, which meant to them that lifestyle of the temple, of worshiping God, of being a distinct people in the land God had given to them, has all disappeared, and they're wondering, will it ever come back? We may have those moments ourselves when life seems to slide away from that focus we had, and we're wondering, can God bring it back to us? It is a story where, like Ezekiel, it is for the survivor in us to let us know that God is there and that nothing is beyond him. There is a, um, a longing found in the text. As he looks out over those uh, bones, uh, before anything else has happened, there's a, a longing to see life. What can God do? St. Augustine wrote a prayer that you may have heard part of, Describing that longing, he said, Almighty God, you've made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. So lead us by your Spirit, and this life we may live in your glory, and in the life to come, enjoy you forever. Now looking over the bones, there was a yearning in Ezekiel, and in telling the story, it raises up to us. Can God take up the present moment where we are and do something powerful with it? He is just the one we need. When we know we need him much is when we begin to turn to him. So the story is not just about bones in a dry valley. They're about God's redeeming work both in them and in us. And can he do it? The question of the day is the title itself. Can these bones live again? Of course, the answer that we would have boldly given was, knowing our own experience, well, no. I mean, in our day, occasionally when someone dies, it's used and, and something can be done about it, they're on an operating room table and around them are doctors and nurses and equipment that can be used to start their heart again and to deal with their immediate needs. And yes, some people who clinically have died are brought back to life and we might say it is a miracle. And yes, they're different kinds, but a miracle. And we don't doubt that can happen. There are people that do that, come back and tell stories of what it was like or something they saw or experienced and they write books and we buy them and we read them. Right? We do that. We like to hear the stories. We wonder what it's going to be. 
But can these bones live again? I mean, the kind that are out there parched white, a skeleton only. Is there anything you can do with it? Deep in our mind, we say no. Now, Ezekiel, you see, is a little different from us. He is not going to say yes, but he's also not going to say no. He's going to say, God, you know the answer. Isn't that pretty good? He said, because whatever you answer is right. He doesn't doubt that God can do anything God wants. In or beyond the realm of possibilities that we accept. Can he do that? We believe he knew that God could. In helpless moments, we need to know that God is not helpless. When we don't know how to get out of predicaments of our own making or what's around us, we have to believe that God is one who can help us. He sees much more than us and does much more. In that TV story, uh, Resurrection, uh, the individuals coming to this little small town one at a time, new, and appear on the scene. They are, are as they are when they left, which means their age and whatever their temperaments are, whatever their uh, actions were. If they were good, they're good. If they're not, they're not. But they're back. No one knew exactly why. Vicki read the sequel, the, the book off which it's written, and she said, the book doesn't tell you either. It's just a story of them coming. And let's see what it does when you throw a resurrected person into a regular lifestyle of people. And what does that happen? And found out that it made everybody uneasy. And it's all about the drama around those who with joy accept them back and those with doubt look at it and those who deny it look at it. And how would we take that? If God does more than we imagine he could do, can we accept God doing it? Can these dry bones live again? You know, we experience dryness. Next Sunday when our confirmation class joins, and I, I so love that moment. I tell you, it is a great time. It is one of the high moments in their life, and so it should be in ours. To see them come and accept Christ. For you who have mentored them, a special joy in your life to be there with them as well. For parents and others also. A high moment. But we know. We know that high moments are not the characteristic of all of life, are they? It can be high and we can be low. We can be strong. We can be weak. It is a journey. And on the journey there are times when we feel as though we are lost again. And yet God does not give up on us. And we become dry. As though there is no life in us. We get to where we don't know how to pray. We get to where we're not certain that going to church would do us any good. We forget to even open the Bible. And we wonder, can God do anything with us again? And Ezekiel finds there's a word of hope. Wherever we are, that yes, he has the power to do it. And he is ready to do that in us. It's a wonderful story. In it, we're called to be about the work. God could have done it all on his own, but he told uh, Ezekiel, you are the one to prophesy. You're the one to call those people back to life. You share in my work. I like that. 
I like the fact that God doesn't just create a church of people that now we're in and we're left uh, in limbo to make it to the other end. And he keeps doing the work, but he puts us to work. That we share in that redeeming power of God's grace. And people can come to life. I asked this question to the confirmands this morning. I said, do you know which group of people in the church are best at bringing new people to church? And their first guesses were, uh, it's the old people. I said, well, first of all, it's not an age identity. It's not about an age group. That kind of threw them all off after that because they were sure it was either that or youth or whatever. And I said, no. You know who is the best group at inviting new people to church is? Have any idea? The answer is other new people. Do you know that? The folks who are new to church, new as members, new a part of the life of it, are the ones who tend to be the most excited about something new that they found in their life, and they are open to making new friends and these strangers around them, maybe at work, maybe in their neighborhood. As they begin to make friends, they say, come go to church with me. I said to them, you can do that. When you, uh, in a few weeks, you're going to be in the youth group, I want you to start asking your friends who don't already go to a church to come to youth with you. Begin that pattern already of sharing in what God is doing in the world. Listen, if a sixth grader can do it, you can do it. You understand that? And God called Ezekiel to a work. And he calls us to it. We just have to believe that he's the one who can do it. We share in it. He calls us and gives us strength for all the journey that life holds. I want to share with you a poem. I'm not a real big poem poet person, but this particular one is an unpublished poem uh, written by Dempsey Calhoun. The title of it is Bone, and I'm going to try to read it in the most effective manner, I hope. You ready? A bone lay scattered and artifactual, wind rode like dead branches, those tree bodies repeat the desiccation, that is the, the, uh, the drying out. All hope bleached and lost, living moisture evaporated, calcified memories of what was or seed of what could be, wandering shards of vessels that once trembled with pure energy, where honor and dishonor wrestled, stripped of living water to walk the hills, needing only gravity to lie, line the valley. It was never about the bones anyway, rather a glimpse of pure power, a reminder of who's in charge of restoration. Real hope lies in the source. We believe that real hope lies in the source, and that is God himself. If we're going to become something other than the standard issue, human being who walks the world and has the failings that come with it, if we're going to be something different, it'd be because God moves in us. Jeremiah recognized it, that God is not finished with us yet. Do you know that? How dry do you feel today? Bible study, worship, prayer, the joy of sharing your faith, a few of those measures. 
I want you to come to communion in a few moments. If there's a need there, a dryness that you felt, even as you share in those elements, ask him to bring you to life and us to life together. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we know that stories in the Scripture speak to every generation, including ours. And Lord, we can easily settle into what's comfortable in life, not thinking we may miss something far greater. And yet you have privileged us to be a part of your divine plan for this world. Open us now, Lord, that our lives may have a fruitfulness about it. That where the dryness has settled in, you may restore a joy and passion in our faith. Allow this time when we come to your altar to be a time of renewal. That when we go from here, we may be good at what we do, offering you to others. For this we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.